We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 320 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm very happy to welcome from Transfermarkt and the Gagan Press Pod, Manuel Fate. Manuel, thanks for joining the show. Hey, Dan, how's it going? It's pretty good. I, I mean, Manuel, you joined me with, a, we'll say you're a toolbox full of expertise about market values and, and transfer things that are uh, would truly be helpful in the Facebook group and on Twitter. And, you know, I just feel like you're a, you know, a knight just with a shield of, of understanding of the market, just bouncing off all these assailants in different ways. But uh, Manuel just joined me because today we won't have time to talk too much about the other Barca news. Like there's no talk about MTD's foot injury that required surgery. We'll keep him out for three months. We're not doing Coutinho's debut at Aston Villa or even anything about Dembele. Actually, I, I know I brought on a a market value expert, but I don't want to do the Demolay thing. He's probably leaving on a free. I don't need to do any math on that. And I think I need a break from it too. But instead, where we start is with Serginho Dest and his future. And I guess, Manuel, I'll start with the, the upfront question, right? You're very familiar with the Bundesliga. If you host a podcast on the Bundesliga, why would the great and almighty Bayern Munich be interested in Serginho Dest if Xavi and Barcelona aren't? That's a very good question. I think they, it all comes back to the initial interest that Bayern Munich had. Um, is it two winters ago now, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they, they were very interested in signing him that summer, I guess. Well, the, the deadline day actually that year was in October, on October 1st, right? So um, because of COVID, it was all a little bit moved backwards. But yeah, that that year in 2020, Bayern Munich um, were very interested in signing Sechino Dest from Ajax Amsterdam. And my understanding at the time was that the deal was pretty much wrapped up and the personal terms were agreed. Dest, well, I think Dest was already in Munich at one point to visit the club and watch a game at the Allianz Arena. And at the same time, Mark Overmars, the sporting director at Ajax, was also talking to Barcelona, right? Because they needed a new right back after, <laughs> after Alfonso Davies completely destroyed the previous right back at the Champions League. And so that's... At that point, like Dest was sort of talking to both, and then Barcelona came in with an offer um, that was around $23 million, um, but included also a bunch of options and extra payments. And Bayern Munich just wasn't willing to do that. Um, they were, you know, Bayern Munich is a very well financially structured club, and they don't, they, they only spend what they have. 
Um, they are also one of the richest clubs in the world in terms of what they actually have in their bank accounts, right? I think they're the only only team, only champion of all the champions in Europe. And there was a there was a financial study done um, earlier this month where that actually that actually didn't run a deficit during COVID, um, which is actually very remarkable. So they looked at this deal and said, "No thanks." And we're like, "Well, Barca can have him." Um, Barca signed him, and it didn't quite work out for him, which I think was actually predictable because of the way that, you know, Bayern Munich uses wing backs is very different than Barcelona uses them. And um, it seems like it was a good, would have been a good fit for Bayern and wasn't a great fit for Barca. The problem, of course, is now his market value has collapsed, right? Um, I think we had him evaluated at the max of $33 million. And in the recent Spain market value update, he went down through $19.8 million, which is a huge collapse. Mm-hmm. And Bayern Munich will look at this and say, why are we going to spend a lot of money on this, especially because we know where Barcelona are at financially? And, you know, they might do something on that position because of, of Alfonso Davies's heart issue, mm-hmm. um, which is, my understanding is, is very minor. Um, it's a precaution, but it takes time. You know, it's not going to end his career. It's not going to be a big issue, but it's going to take a lot of time to heal because it, it is a heart issue. and We have to be careful with that sort of stuff. So that's maybe the only reason why they're going to come back for it, even though he's playing on the other on the other flank, but just to add a little bit more depth to the wing back position in general. But they're not going to pay what Barcelona is going to ask. Well, you could argue that he actually has been better as a left back in some rare appearances on that mm-hmm. side, filling in for Jordi Alba as well as with the U.S. men's national team, where he's been arguably better at left back as well in those appearances. Yeah. And yeah, for I think we we kind of get caught in two minds of this death situation where there's the business side of it. And then there's the actual field performance side of it. And it's, it's, I, I think for those in, who have certain opinions of Dest, it becomes one or the other. And you kind of, it can't just be both. It has to be one or the other. Meaning if you're Sergino Dest who wants to stay and fight for his spot at the club, that might indicate that Xavi's kind of said, hey, this guy for positional awareness is not what I want, is not what I need. Even a Sergio Roberto, when he recovers Mengesa, they'll put dest on the on the shelf for quite some time i mean not Dest, but sorry then alva's pushing 39 that we have these mm-hmm. three other options that i'll always take over dest which is puzzling to me because i understand why dest might want to even stay and fight at barca where his age being 21 and in theory he is still improving and then his timeline for progression works i think with the, the club's timeline as opposed to bayern yeah. where i mean and yeah bayern bundesliga i mean they have time to really blood new talent and they've done that with Alfonso Davies and they're still contending for all the different titles while introducing new players and yet for Dest there's definitely a jump that he needs to make there's improvements he needs to make but I mean I guess Bayern would be more willing to say hey if you're one of our few projects that we're trying to work along and 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 improve then we can handle you and we can handle the three or four other players that we need to make that step up while while Barca meanwhile are saying hey we actually need you to be pretty well done already. And we don't actually think other than you, yeah, you have some physical gifts, but other than that, I mean, your one V one defending is good at times where he's shut down Vinicius jr. And Alfonso Davies with both El Clasico and for the U S before, but also he's been completely torn apart by Granada and Elche. And you know what I mean? Like it, it, in a, in a four, four, two situation when the opposition is playing with that, he struggles there. So yeah, I mean, and also at his number, the other part of this business-wise, too, is that why is it Dest and why is it Frankie Young, whose names are being thrown out in the last week? Well, A, is January, so people got to sell papers. But part two of that <laughs> is that 
it seems that Barca still, I mean, truly still, if they're going to spend over the summer, which we'll get to in a minute, that Dest is one of the few that even at a decreased market value, they don't want a distressed asset on their hands. That's why they're pushing probably so hard to get something for him in January. So they don't have to, I mean, take an even lower fee in the summertime when he hasn't played for another four or five months under Xavi because Xavi doesn't want to use him on the field. No, and they also need the money, right? Um, Correct, right. That's the thing with Barcelona is that coming from the German perspective, and I know things are very different in Spain, uh, they, they, they calculate, I, I think, I guess they calculate finances a little different there than the rest of the world does. But in the Bundesliga, Barcelona wouldn't even receive a license to play in the league anymore, depending because of the depth, depths alone. And yeah, you know, you, I realize you can restructure depth and you can, um, you can hold depth. And as long as you're, your financial income is a certain size that that doesn't seem to matter um only it does because COVID has changed the world and has changed income structures significantly um it seems like the juggling that they're doing it's a close to a billion euro debt I mean, that's that's remarkable if you were a company you would be dissolved <laughs> so it's um that's that's I think where where this comes in, and they they're looking at this, and they they see Sahino Dest as a financial asset, and because he's American, or you know he plays for the U.S., uh, I think there's there's that added bonus to it. The question is though, of course, will Bayern Munich bite? Um, I think there is some reasons why they might. Alfonso Davies has been mentioned, and if he can play on the left, sure. There's also of course the fact that he's American. Amer- Bayern Munich push heavily into the American market, and uh, Julian Nagelsmann likes wingbacks. You know, that's another good reason. Maybe he'll see them as a project uh, like he did with Angelino at uh, RB Leipzig, who worked out really well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's there's some good reasons, but at the end of the day, the deal has to make financially sense for Bayern Munich. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Um, I give you a good example. Bayern Munich looked long and hard at Usman Dembele, which was, I, I was kind of sad that you wouldn't <laughs> didn't want to discuss him because I actually think that's a really interesting topic. Um, well, no, I mean, Dembele... you have, you've got the floor here. So I think Bar- <laughs> I think Kules would actually love to hear a fresh perspective on Dembele, please. I think Osman Dembele is it's so interesting because I remember seeing him Borussia Dortmund and um, he was probably one of the most refreshing players, creative players I've ever seen my entire life. And he then, of course, he pushed for that move probably a couple of years too early. Mm-hmm. He's just, just too young. And I mean, we re- we forget that he's only 24, which gives you the perspective of how young he was when he left Borussia Dortmund in a deal worth $147 million. <laughs> you know, you just have to get that figure in your head. That's a lot of money. I mean, I know it's pre-COVID, but it was a lot of money. And he's never really fulfilled that. Yes, he's won a World Cup of France, but um, he was a big hot topic at Bayern Munich as well, right? As a potential replacement for Kingsley Coman. But then Bayern Munich looked at his financials, financial, his wages and his structure. And that's not even his demands that he has right now, which is somewhere between 40 and 45 million euros before bonuses mm-hmm. a year. And then they said, okay, well, we have Kingsley Coman, who's also a World Cup winner with France. He's injured sometimes, but so is Usman Dembele. But we can sign him because he's already within our club. We can. It's cheaper for us to sign him to one of the most expensive contracts in our club than bringing in this new guy who we have to pay all his wages for and bonuses on top of that. So they signed Coman for 17 million euros a year before tax, right? And I think that's where that's I think that's a key component right there to understand how Bayern might feel about the Sechino Desti deal. 
because they might look at this and say, is this a transfer that's being pushed on us to alleviate one of our opponent's financial problems? And if they look at it that way, they will not do it. It's as simple as that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a little bit of disrespect to Barca that I, I'm not sure how much Bayern Munich is looking at Barcelona and saying, hey, we need to keep one of our rivals or one of our foes kind of down on that second tier. I don't know if they're taking Barca that seriously, but I, I think the point that you do bring up is really important for us to understand the way that Laporta and Alemani are trying to restructure their contracts now, where mm-hmm. they want a, a, a lower flat fee on the wages, and then they want to have much more incentivized heavy contracts, which again, Umtiti's was not that case. Dembele's was not mm-hmm. the case. It was heavy on the flat fee and, and kind of outrageous where there just wasn't that many incentives. And I think moving forward for Barca, you look at the names and why Dest, I think, actually more likely why Dest, other than Danny Alves and Mangetha and Roberto, the two names that keep popping up are those free agents of Azbalicueta for Chelsea and Mazraoui at Ajax being free agents over the summertime. And, mm. and the fact that they would, if they were, those players were willing to sign on lower you know, wages, then all the trophy incentive packages and all those things that in theory, by winning those trophies and whatever the, the market also will say rewards you for, for doing that winning, right. Whether it's popularity or whatever, whatever, how the hell that helps with sales and how that helps with sponsors, obviously winning teams are a lot, uh, have a little more say at the, the, you know, the sponsor table deal or whatever it is, you know, the negotiation table. But I I guess the question on that for maybe the club already knows that they are in conversations with Asbukwetz's people or Mizraoui's people and Mizraoui's people is actually Mino Raiola. So I, and we know that Porto has had conversations with him. We don't know which players he has because we're about to get to Holland in a second. But before we do Holland, as far as Asbukwetz and Mizraoui and really all the free agents, well, we'll talk about some others later too. It's, it comes from a Barca or Kool-Aid perspective that, oh, Barca are at the top of Azbukwetz's ledger or at the top of Mizraoui's ledger. But that may not necessarily be the case, right? I mean, free agents like Azbukwetz and Mizraoui, they must have, what, 40 to 50 clubs calling and asking for their signature, right? Yeah, maybe. It depends on the free agent, right? It's an... <laughs> It's a difficult one because that again um, we think of free agents as free transfers, but they're not. Um, I think this is this is the one thing that people have to to keep in mind. Remember the the craze about uh, PSG signing all these guys for free, yeah. And it kept it kept being brought up. Well, they made all these signings for free, and it's like no, these signings weren't free. They were just they didn't cost a fee. 
but they were not free, <laughs> you know, because a player actually gets quite a sizable signing on bonus. And um, I think with Donnarumma, it was something like 40 million with, with Lionel Messi. With Lionel Messi, they even made their own currency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got paid out. It's probably the biggest scam in the history of the world, um, you know, with these like Bitcoin craze that essentially they created it because you can, you can, uh, you, it has a bunch of tax incentives added to it mm. that I, 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 I'm, you know, when I look at this kind of stuff, it's, it's one of the craziest developments out there right now that these clubs are buying, essentially creating these cryptocurrencies that they can then use to um, sign players. Um, I find it questionable. So, you know, it's when you look at these free agent transfers, of course, these players have a lot of options. Um, Joaquino Vanaldom was a good example last year as well, right? Who, who was in advanced discussions with Bayern Munich and it looked like it was going to get done. And then uh, all of a sudden he was a Barcelona just before PSG hijacked it at the last second. And I think that's when I when I look at free transfers, they're very difficult because in the end of the day, the that is for a player of that name, that is their one payout, even more so than the salary that they're going to make. Because that si- that that signing on fee is worth millions and millions and millions of euros. And for them, they will they will shop around, right? And there will be clubs that will jump on it, and then there will be clubs that will say, no way, <laughs> we're not doing this. This is this is actually not a good business for us. So this is why I'm always like, well, yeah, lots of clubs will be calling, but then you have to remember, not every club in the world can can pay that kind of sign-on bonus. It's very difficult. Yeah, especially for a player like Mazraoui and the way that fullbacks are used in the modern game yeah. and how important they are, that Mazraoui is going to get the call from every single one of the clubs that can actually afford that sign on bonus. As you mentioned too, that his agent is Nino Raiola. So I can't imagine that agent fee is, uh, is, is a small number in any, in any way at all. Yeah, Mino's Mino's world-class. I think there's a reason why the players, every player loves him. Players want to be with him and he's a tactical genius in terms of what, what he does uh, in terms of his, how he sells his players and, and he he gets a bad rap, I think, from a lot of from mostly from clubs because <laughs> he plays the game so well, right? But yeah, yeah, he 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 knows exactly what he's what he's doing. And um, if you deal with someone like him, he'll he'll ensure that the financial package that his client will receive will be the best, and he will get it. I mean, he, he been, he's been so good that both he and Jorge Mendez have they've been the two leading candidates for restructuring that conversation about agent commissions. And, yeah. trying to, and capping that just because of how good they played the game and how well they, I mean, you can argue mm-hmm. that Jorge Mendez runs Wolverhampton <laughs> because of all those reasons. But yeah, speaking of Mina Riola, he has a client by the name of Erlen Holland that I think it's important yeah. to talk about. So I think you're obviously, I brought you on not to discourage. I, I think what do they always, you know, Emily Dickinson said, hope is the thing with feathers, right? And I think for, for Erlen Holland, Kool-Aid's are thinking, hey, I mean, I mean, a lot of Kool-Aid's are trying to talk themselves out of him and saying, oh, I, he's not going to fit at Barcelona. So, well, I, I guess that's the easy one. How do you think you'd fit at Barca? But you can answer that after you answer the big one, which is in the La Liga sphere, in the La Liga bubble, in the Barcelona bubble, even getting that bubble smaller. It seems that Barca and now Real Madrid are quote unquote out, but I don't know about that. They seem to think that, I mean, both clubs seem to think that he is coming to Spain, that that's what mm-hmm. the move he wants to make or it's the Premier League. 
Is that what you hear too, regardless of how possible it is that Barca and Real Madrid and Spain seems to be the first option and then it's the Premier League and then it's even Bayern Munich? Or is that just, again, the myopic view that the, that the Spanish media seems to think about their own league? My longest understanding has been he's going to Real Madrid and I haven't heard otherwise. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, transfers are not done until until he holds up the shirt at the press conference and even then he might crawl out of the MRI machine. <laughs> you know, we've seen that, we've seen it all. Um, my longest understanding has been Real Madrid. I think both, that... So you think both it'll be both he and Mbappe making the move to Real Madrid plus Benzema and Vinicius yeah. Jr. sticking around? Yeah. Wow. Which is scary. Um, yeah, this I'm, is first on a podcast. The question marks, of course, is that is it going to happen this summer? Because COVID-19 has hit a lot of clubs, including Real Madrid. Um, Real Madrid have done a very good job, I think, to restructure the club. Um, of course, they didn't have Lionel Messi under contract for so long and paid him millions and millions and millions of euros every year. Um, and I think that they have the financial space to do it. The question is, do they have... I, I, again, I'm looking at this from a Bayern Munich perspective because this is the club that I, I'm closest to and I work the most with. So I, I sort of know the numbers that we're talking about here, right? We're talking an exit clause between 70 and 90 million euros and we're talking between 40 and 50 million euros in salary, of course, before tax. Mm -hmm. That's a big financial package. Yeah. It's a very big financial package. You know, the, 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 the fee isn't even the problem here. It's the salary. Because over five years, that's 250 million euros. And yeah, you can sort of restructure that and you can flatten that out. And there's all sorts of mechanisms that you can pay it off. And, you know, you can, there's, you know, these clubs are, financial geniuses when it comes to restructuring the debts. <laughs> but I just find that enormous. And I look at it from a Bayern Munich perspective and I know that they, they said, okay, well, we're definitely interested because they'd be fools not to, but they also look at that package and they know that they can renew with Lewandowski for 20 million a year for an additional two years. And Lewandowski is making no signs of slowing down anytime soon. Whereas Haaland had had lots of issues with his knee. You know, and that's the other question. That's a really big question. And this is what, what I'm hearing from within the camp is why and they're not excluding England, but why they're preferring Spain is because of his health issues. And they think that the slower pace of the league, the the better weather, it's warmer, it's mm -hmm. a fact. You know, England is cold and wet, is actually going to be better for 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 his general health and his the longevity of his career because he's missing games for Dortmund quite regularly at the moment right and that's that is something that they are sort of looking at and um they're saying okay well maybe spain would be the best and then also of course if you if you can go to real madrid for a lot of players that is that is the the ultimum that's where they want to go i know we're on a barcelona podcast so that's already not what people want to hear but yeah. it is a fact you know and um, I'm by no means a Real Madrid fan, so please, <laughs> like, don't even make that accusation. Uh, quite contrary, I'm not a, I'm not a fan at all. But it, it is I, I'm I'm realistic enough to know that for a lot of players that is a dream, and um, so I think that is sort of where the tendency is to work for him. I find it very interesting the comments that he made um, after the game on Friday. Um, Dortmund beat Freiburg five one, right, and. Um, narrowed the gap, have narrowed the gap to Bayern Munich to six points. And um, 
looking very good um, in the second half of the season. And Bayern Munich with a very condensed schedule and all the COVID cases that they have, um, maybe there is actually a chance to catch up to them and make it interesting. Don't think they're going to win the title, but make it interesting at least. Um, but he came out with these comments saying that he feels under pressure to make a decision about his future. Because Borussia Dortmund want to know. They want to know what his decision is. And um, it's interesting that it came from him and when it came from him, because I don't think that was something that was told for by, like, I don't think Mino Raiola told him to do this. I think it literally came from him himself. And that maybe indicates that he doesn't know yet himself and that he's frustrated by it. Well, yeah, I mean, as much as, yeah, I mean, Manuel, you did give us some downer comments about, well, I think I think there are players, I mean, as we say it too, Real Madrid and Barcelona both coexist in the same space. And I think historically speaking, we know a, a, if a player has goals of just knowing they're going to win trophies at all costs, that Real Madrid does seem to be always more result-based and Barca is more process-based and about mm. doing it the right way. And that's supposed to make that gratification so much better. And that's why those two teams coexist in that space and, and this and Spanish league. And I think football in general is better when both Barca and Real Madrid are, are firing on all cylinders. But as far as Holland goes, I, I think you also gave a good reason why their Barca. And I think a lot of Kool-Aid's are, are going to find a way to talk themselves out of Holland. Uh, not only is it his early, I mean, he's what 21 now, right? Uh, I mean, and, or whatever he is, 20, yeah, 2021 um, or 22. And so I think Kool-Aid's can talk themselves out of his injury issues on top of, for Barca, it's basically where, you know, those cartoons or the movies where they're careening towards the waterfall, right? And then the, the, they find a stick or they find something and they get themselves out of the water. I feel like Barcelona, financially, looking at, uh, you know, the wages of Messi and the wage bill and Titi and Coutinho and the Griezmann, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Barca mm-hmm. have found a way to get themselves out of the water and Barca are still drying themselves off. And the, the financial package for Holland sounds like you're jumping directly towards the waterfall back into the water just based on yeah. what that, that base number would be for Barca. And yeah, I mean, we you don't have to assume that what's going to be most difficult financially other than, yes, his salary, but I mean, sorry, other than that fee and the signing on and the agent commission and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, at that number, at 40 million euro base salary, Barca right now has had to finagle their way under 97 million euros to even register Ferran Torres, which they have not done. It's been allowed based on two, be, uh, two to one, four to one rules that they've been able to register Ferran Torres. And looking ahead to the summer, that 97 million euros in the Liga, it's it's going to go up because revenue, of course, is going to be increased with you know COVID restrictions having... There's more people in the stadium and more revenue has been generated yeah. by Barca, sure. But that number is not going to jump up to, obviously, pre-pandemic times, which is absurd. But it, it may only jump up to 130 or 150. A much And sim- remember, much they're not in the Champions League knockout stage, right? So Exactly, that's right. A, that's a huge financial downer. Um, 60 million euros. Yeah. And and yeah. And, and, then, and then you think about how important then the Europa League becomes for Barcelona. And I think that's actually before they even think about signing Holland for Barca. One of the issues would be they have to conquer Dortmund potentially eventually in the Europa League if they can get past Napoli and then other contenders to potentially mm-hmm. meet Dortmund. If Barca did meet Dortmund in the Europa League, what would they what would they have in store? You think you think that Dortmund is a, is a fair match for Barcelona? I made this point on the on the Gegenpressing podcast last week that I think Borussia Dortmund should be in the Europa League. <laughs> they should just throw that competition away and throw, mm. put everything in the Bundesliga. Um, yeah. you, you know, Bayern Munich are still in the Champions League. And for Bayern, the Champions League is, is everything, right? 
they're very good in this competition. They haven't won it as many times as Real Madrid, but they always make the semifinal, right? Uh, I think they have the most semifinal appearances other than Real Madrid in the history of the Champions League. So for them, that competition is extremely important. And I think um, they're going to put everything into that. So for Dortmund, there's actually an opportunity here to say, hmm, okay, when February, March, April, May roll around and Bayern Munich get distracted in the Champions League, maybe you should just get rid of this this silly European competition and <laughs> and just like focus on the Bundesliga because six points can become three, three points can become zero. Then you have still have the direct match against them. Huh. Maybe there's an opportunity there. So I think for Dortmund, they actually be best off to just say, we don't need the Europa League. There's not much financial gain in it for us. And if we finally win the Bundesliga, that's not only good for us, it's actually good for the league because Bayern's reign will be ended. And I think there is an element to that. They will not admit that openly, but I think there is definitely an element to that, that they're going to say, hmm, there's, a, there's a huge opportunity for us. And you have to remember too, they Bayern Munich out of the German Cup. Um, so there's a, there's an, there's a avenue for them there as well to actually win a competition that's probably pretty easy for them to win and um i say that then they're playing tomorrow they might go out tomorrow and then they look yeah. like an idiot but <laughs> yeah. i mean and you don't have to tell like me as a, a cool or anybody uh, uh, who listens to this show that i mean there's always hope that someone else defeats Bayern munich obviously i'm still not that i'm emotionally living through yeah. 8-2 but my comments and my mentions are certainly still living through 8-2 and it will be for generations <laughs> moving forward every time Barcelona meets a German team or every time Barcelona loses yep. any match of, uh, of any value, A2 is the thing that always comes up. So I'm going to pivot real quick uh, as we got one or two more things to, to discuss real quickly. The other, some of the other names going Holland out for now, Matthias Ginter and Dennis Zakaria, two players for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Now we already did talk about players that could leave on freeze and that is why their names are being, are being popped up. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think the market is for those two players, almost in comparison to Mesraoui and Azbukleta, as who two players who I mentioned, I think are just going to have a bit more of a market than Ginter and Zakaria. Yeah, and what's really interesting is that Gladbach are really pushing to sell them now, um, mm-hmm. both of them, because they want a little bit of money. Gladbach have been hit very hard by COVID um, because... The, the stadium of 55,000 seats has been empty, right? And um, that's a huge revenue loss for them. Um, German football, of course, um, has the highest attendance of any of any major league in the world other than the NFL. And um, for them, having empty stadiums hurts. It really does. You know, even Bayern Munich lose about three and a half to four million euros a home game. Same with Borussia Dortmund. And for Gladbach, when you look at that kind of number and it's similar, that's a lot of money. That's gone every match day. So they're saying, like, okay, well, we're going to lose Matthias Ginter and Dennis Zakaria. And I think they've known this. But now that it is official, I think they're kind of trying to offload both those guys. And um, I think if there is someone coming in and gives them five, six, seven million euros, they will probably go for it now right away. And that's, I think that's going to be an interesting one to follow in the next 14 days or so that we have of this window still being open. Um, what Lapach are going to do with those two guys and what the market is for them. So um, my, my, Matthias Ginter, Inter Milan have been heavily linked. I know that Barcelona have looked at him as well. Um, how much of an interest there really is, is a, is a different question, right? Um, with Dennis Zakaria, there's a strong market in, in the Premier League, but also at Borussia Dortmund, they also have looked at him because they need to eventually replace Axel Witzel. 
Um, again, it, it depends on what these two play. I, I, you know, technically speaking, those two players have all the cards in their hands now because they could just sit on the bench and sign a contract already somewhere else because as of January 1st, they are free to negotiate with anyone, right? So it, it, it's an interesting one to follow. And I think we'll get clarity of, about it in, in the next few days um, on where they're going. Um, interesting enough, what you didn't mention was Niklas Süle because he's, of course, out of, he's out of contract as well in the summer. And um, Bayern Munich have been heavily linked with Antonio Rüdiger from Chelsea. So it's going to be interesting to see whether Niklas Süle is, is going to leave. And I think there has been, this morning, I don't know how serious you can take it, there has been some contact with Barcelona as well. So um, just to throw in another name into the head. And you know what? Those signings all make, in some ways, make way more sense than signing Erling Haaland for 40 million euros a year. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I feel like those are position. That's like that's positional need, right? And um, Niklas Süle in particular, who's who, who often gets underestimated, I find, especially by English commentators. They call him slow and um, fat, to forget at the same time that he's one of the five fastest players in the Bundesliga, right? <laughs> and he's he's extremely fast um, and very strong, and actually can turn on a dime. Con- despite his 100 kilograms, 220 pounds, and a six foot five frame, right? Um, so he's, he's a very mobile defender, even though he's quite heavy and can play right back as well. And I, I, I think there will be there is a player who there's going to be a lot of teams interested, including including Barcelona. Yeah, well, I think as you said about English commentators, that it's one of those memes where the two guys are, or the, the the two big biceps are kind of clasping hands. That both Bundesliga and the Liga fans both say the same thing, where don't let English commentators talk about our, you know, their players or the league or the Liga players or Bundesliga players. But I, I guess the so my my last question then, just as a broader picture about the Liga and Bundesliga and the state of those, because it, again, you did make an argument about that Kule is obviously this is the Barcelona complex, just believing that hey, I mean, we have to be on the same level playing field as Real Madrid, even though they're especially after the last half Clasico, there's an acceptance that Barcelona in their path are a little bit, a few steps behind Real Madrid at the moment. Real Madrid obviously mm-hmm. running away with the league. In the Liga, five points. I mean, I guess five points isn't running away with, but you do get the sense that Real Madrid are in, uh, obviously, same thing with Bayern Munich, six up on Dortmund, that they're in the pole position, even if it's yeah. quote-unquote interesting in the same way, because if it was mm-hmm. Sevilla, five up on Madrid, or Dortmund, six up on Munich, then I think that's really interesting. But I don't think for either of those races, because of who's, in the number one spot right now. It is yeah. truly interesting. Um, but as far as comparing those two leagues, yeah. Do you think that, I mean, again, explain it to me like I'm, I'm, I'm that which means five in German, but explain it to me like I'm five, where having Munich and Real Madrid running away with these leagues and winning these leagues, that can't be good for the Liga and Bundesliga who are continuing to try to fight and do all they can, especially in the Asian markets and North American markets to push in and be as, important or influential or in front of people's faces as the Premier League is. Yeah. Um, the Premier League is so interesting, right? Because Manchester City win it every year and the point gap right now is 11 oh, points. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, great title race that they haven't had in <laughs> 20 years. It's interesting how that's a title race. And when you have slower, lower point gaps in between, is a title race. And the argument is, of course, that you had more different teams win it. But really, the only time they had a title race was when um, Leicester won it. Just the year that Liverpool, they, the, when Liverpool won it, the reality really is that that wasn't a title race either because it was over, over by January. 
And we have, I have a friend who, who every time we meet, he brings up this argument. And I said to him, enough, the Premier League will be over by February. And uh, it was January 1st. And I sent him a text message. Hey, happy new years. And then I also sent him a picture of the table. I'm like, it's not even February and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is that Manchester City is doing to the Premier League what Bayern Munich are doing to the Bundesliga or Real Madrid is doing to La Liga right now. And there is, I think my argument that I would make in that perspective is, and I think there is an issue. Um, I don't want to downplay the issue that we have in German football, but the issue really exists in almost all the leagues. And Serie A fans will yell and scream at me and say, not here, but Juventus won your league nine times in a row. Yeah. Um, until they made the big mistake and signed Ronaldo and ruined the dressing room, right? But the reality is that all the leagues have are imbalanced at the moment. And that's a fact. League O is the same problem with PSG. Yes, Little Wallet won it last year. You know, Dortmund might win it next year. That doesn't mean that Bayern will not win it next year. They probably they will, right? And th that's the issue. We always, it's all, all these leagues are predictable now. We essentially go into the league knowing who's going to win. There's an 80% possibility that in the Premier League that City will win it. There is a 90% possibility that Bayern will win the Bundesliga. There's a, at the moment, I would say there's a 90% possibility that Real Madrid will win the La Liga because of where Barcelona are at. And you look at Italy, okay, it's a bit more interesting, but for how long until Juventus, you know, do Juventus things? And I think that's an issue. Um, I think that they, I think that Real Madrid and Barcelona had it wrong with the Super League. Um, I don't think that was the answer. I don't think they bringing in the Super League and creating even more financial inequity is the solution. I think there needs to be an overarching European solution where we say we have to cap salaries, we have to cap squad size. And we might have to roll back Bosman as well and limit some of these free transfers so that, that teams like Ajax Amsterdam, for example, have more than two years to build a team, right? Or that Borussia Dortmund, who, when they did challenge Bayern Munich, half the team was taken apart, not just by Bayern. They were Real Madrid did their part, Manchester City did their part. There was lots of teams that took that Borussia Dortmund team apart, right? Yeah. And... Um, I think that is where we need to look at and say some of these smaller teams, the Sevilla, Dortmunds, Ajaxes of this world need to have a fighting chance to keep their squads together for more than one or two seasons. Yeah, I always think of the AS Monaco team with... Yeah, that's another good Popeye. example. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Lille. Or Lille is a great yeah. example now too. You know, they build a great team. Yes, okay, in Lille's example, the financial mismanagement was atrocious. Right. But my, my example still stands that at the end of the day, a team like that only really has a one or two years now. And it used to be a lot longer. So we need to find some sort of mechanism that allows teams to put a squad together and keep it together for long enough to equalize the financial inequities that have that we have created across Europe, across all the leagues. Yeah, and I think and, that's, that's even heightened in Spain with the release clauses in yeah. Spain. And so, like, I mean, for example, Celta de Vigo had a great season when they finished top three in the league. Right. They're going to be ripped apart. and But they know that it's in one season because of the release clauses. They don't actually have even control over, I mean, yeah. for Valencia. Valencia got themselves into financial trouble, and they didn't even have a choice. Other clubs came in and said, hey, you can't actually afford your own players, so we're just going to take them <laughs> because of the low release clauses. Yeah. And that was it. And that's a huge problem. And like we have to look at contracts. And I know lots of people will hate this, but I actually think that the way we do it in North America with limited free agency, I wouldn't get rid of free agency altogether. 
but I would, I would say maybe not until you're 25 or 26 mm. to give these smaller clubs a chance, just to give them a chance to build something rather than saying, okay, um, you're 19 now, you've, you know, you can hold up the ball three times and you scored a couple of goals in the Champions League bye. Yeah. That's not good either. I mean, you look at look at some of these teams. Chelsea have like what 28 players out, out on loan. And that number, by the way, don't don't quote me on that. It, it might be different, but you get my point, right? Yeah. That they have that loan army and they're not the only one. So like don't don't hang me up on Chelsea here. I'm just naming one example. That is them vacuuming up talent from all over the world and uh, ensuring in some ways that this talent doesn't get, make it somewhere, some small club somewhere in Europe could build something with that. And they're ensuring with that, that it doesn't happen. And I think in, in that regard, there is something you can do there. You can limit it loans. You say to clubs, you're allowed three loans a year. That's it. Yeah. Three loans yeah. for players over the age of 24 or 23 yeah. and three loans for, you know, junior players or whatever it is. Cause yeah. obviously for me, it's always the, almost for the big club, especially where, I mean, there, there's no room for a 20 year old player to have the time. I mean, even Sergino Desi going all the way back to the beginning that, I mean, a loan would probably be really useful to him, but it doesn't financially support what Barcelona want at the moment, nor does mm. it support another big club like a Chelsea or Bayern Munich. Why would they want to see him go out on loan to Celta or to whatever it may be in the middle of the, the or Mallorca or whoever it is in the middle of the yeah. table. So, well, Manuel, you did mention North America and MLS. So people have already thrown their phones into the bathtubs. And so, I mean, that's, that's what happens here. So <laughs> once you bring up MLS, it means the show is over, but Manuel, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. And I, I said at the beginning, but where can people find you and where can people continue to enjoy your work? Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, as you said, I am the, I, I work on transfer work for transfer market. Um, I run the North America operations um, from the West Coast, from Canada's West Coast. But when there isn't COVID, I split my time between North America and Germany. Um, so I also cover the Bundesliga. Um, I have Gegenpressing is my podcast. Um, so I want to give that a shout out. And I also do another podcast called the Unsuckable Podcast, where we talk about all sorts of football stories from around the world. Um, so you can give that a follow as well. And you can find me on Twitter where, where I post everything I do. Um, I write for Forbes as well. I do a Bundesliga column five times a week, uh, five times a month, not a week. <laughs> five times a week would be a lot. Yeah. Five times a month for Forbes on the Bundesliga. Um, so you can find that all on um, on my Twitter, at Manuel Weff. Um, so like my name, M-A-N-U-E-L-V-E-T-H. And to make it easier on you, you can also just click on his name down in the show notes below, and that'll Even take better. you to Twitter, and then you can find all the different things that Manuel does. So again, thanks so much to Manuel, and thanks so much to you for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. More to Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.